It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He needs to really deliver on the front end for me to not care about the back end. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. I mean, I get it. If you're if you're with the Oakland A's and you're on another team, I mean, heck yeah, you better be telling your teammates, look, hey, heads up. If you hear some noises when you're pitching, like this is right. what's going right. on for sure. But to go public, yeah, that it didn't sit sit well with me. And honestly, it made me sad for the sport that that's how this all got found out. I mean, this wasn't something that MLB naturally investigated or that even other teams complained about because they naturally heard about and then investigations happened. But it, it came from within. It was a player that was a part of it, that benefited from it during the regular season when he was a part of that team. And and that, when I first heard about it, it's just, it hits you like any teammate would, right? It's it's something that you don't do. I totally get telling your future teammates, helping them win, letting people know. But to go public with it and call them out and start all of this, it's, it's hard to swallow. That is uh, Jessica Mendoza, ESPN baseball analyst. Victim shaming. Victim shaming... Mike Mike fires and if you if you're just getting in your car today if you're just <laughs> if you're just you've been working all day oh and my God. we are your source this of is updates so good where do we even start it's so good Mackie and Joe with Rami it's a big sports day it's amazing like the it's a great the, sports day. we have a Wolves trade which we may or may not even get to today <laughs> yeah and Wolves trade rumors uh, we've got Sage football wisdom at four thirty and Joe Mauer joins the show today at five fifteen to talk about the Josh Donaldson signing and also cheating in baseball. So we'll dive into that. But but the, the latest across this Astros and Red Sox cheating scandal, some tweets came out today, and th- that's a whole story, too, because apparently, <laughs> I'll just start here. A person- that's the thing. Is this is so crazy. <laughs> you have no idea where to start. It's like describing the damage after a tornado. You're like, well, I... Like there was a house here, I don't know, and now they're they're like, is it? It's not. It's not a house anymore. You just don't know where to start. Did you guys imagine that after last year's off season for Major League Baseball, where we were all just waiting on signings to finally happen, and it was so boring that we would get this off season where signings actually happen in a real realistic time frame, and now we've got this huge cheating yeah. scandal happening at the same and, time. And actually, can we go back to the Jessica Mendoza <laughs> bite for a second? <laughs> Let's actually start there. I love there. that you okay. keep on circling well, let's around. There. If we, we can't touch down on this story, we just keep circling. Well, let's do this. Let's back. Let's back up. Judge grabbing the plane right now. And let's do the let's do the timeline of today. 
So start with Mendoza, because okay. that idea. starts, that starts idea, the timeline, okay. and, th- and then we can go to what happened right. after that. Okay, so, so Jessica Mendoza basically says, hey, Mike Fires, for, for blowing the cover off of one of the one of the great intricate cheating scandals in recent, if not all-time sports history, mm-hmm. I don't really, it doesn't really sit well with me. I don't, I don't like him going public with that. And as a result, ESPN has issued like no comments and has sort of pulled her off of the ESPN car wash. And uh, the Mets, what, what the, the Mets released some kind the of Mets basically said, she works for the Mets. Yeah, the Mets basically said she didn't make those comments working for us. But, she was working for them. But here's what's hilarious, okay? Usually when you get in hot water with the people you work for in media or with a team, it's because you said something racist or sexist or did something or domestic abuse. People are backing away from her, not because of like a racist comment, but because it's like one of the stupidest things anyone has ever said on sports talking head TV. Let's I think just start there. I think it's more dangerous than just stupid. I think that's why people are stepping away from it. I really do. I, th- I think that mentality, what she's doing and what people like her are doing, there's a clip there from Phil Garner who said the same thing on Sports Radio 610 no, in I Houston. Don't. That, that's kind of going out the window in baseball, the, the fact that you retaliate, the unwritten rules kind of thing. That's That's been lost uh, in the culture. Uh, I, I think that he'd be viewed as a rat, okay? If it was a big deal a for you, why didn't you bring it up while you were the Astros? Why didn't you? A rat. A rat. Do you know where, that, ter- iron, baby. Do you know where, the, do you know where that terminology comes from? That's mob mentality. Yeah. And I don't know when this when this started sweeping across just general society that we all decided to act like we're in the mob and the crime isn't the problem. It's the person who's blowing the whistle on the crime is the problem. That's what people are doing with Mike Fires here. And that's what we do all the every time there's a scandal and somebody gets busted. We spend a few days talking about the guy who got busted or the girl who got busted and how terrible what they did was, and then we move on to the person who shed a light on it, and somehow they're a bad person. Let's go back to the criminal. It's, it's, a, it's criminal mentality that they've, that they've adopted here when you call Mike Fires a rat. Let's, let's put it in the frame of the justice system. Let's make that an analogy, okay? So in this case, the free press and the police, which is Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball, are working on our behalf to protect us from a fraudulent baseball team, from cheating. Uh, but, but that's where you just missed the key point. So sports has always been don't ask, don't tell, right? And here's the problem. As far as the Mendozas and Phil Garners are concerned, this, as, as we'll go through the timeline of the events of today, gentlemen, we are tip of the iceberg it's not oh. the Astros. It's not the Red Sox. It is. This is the tip of what's scaring people, including Manfred, and rightfully so. Personally, I'm enjoying it. But what's scaring them is we are scratching the surface now. And and we'll get into what else has come out today, Phil. But, Rami, that's the issue here. They are scared as hell, and they should be. But Jessica Mendoza is, well, I guess she But is. the whole thing of don't... Mike Mike Fires, to his credit, and Mike Fires now is going to go down possibly in baseball history books as a name that you're like, that was Mike Fires did that, right? He's Jose Canseco. So, but what's going to happen here is we are scratching the surface of the cheating epidemic, and this is going to become bigger and bigger. Okay, so bigger. The, the first form of cheating that's been widely publicized the last few weeks, the last month, that The Athletic broke the story is using video technology to steal catcher signs yep. and 
picking up very quickly on their patterns so that you know what pitches are going to come. And then relaying that information via trash, trash can That's curveball. to the hitter. Right? Oh, just a home run. Off speed. But here's the next level, Fastball. okay? Fastball. This is this is the progression of the day. Yeah. A person who claims to be Carlos Beltran's niece, Beltran, who got fired or resigned or what what have you as part of this timeline today as new manager of the Mets. He manages zero games now for the Mets, but he was a player on that 2017 Astros team. Mm-hmm. So a person who claims to be Carlos Beltran's niece, who has been tweeting insider news about the cheating scandal and about other things around baseball. She's, she's been breaking news. She just tweeted yesterday that he was losing his job as the Mets manager. Yes. That was the latest thing that she was spot on about. So she's so this random Twitter account who 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 has been breaking news drops this bombshell on Twitter today. Quote, I'm told to stay quiet, but I refuse. Sorry, Tio, which is uncle in Spanish. Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman wore devices that buzzed on the inside right shoulder of their uniform on the inside from the hallway video guy. Let's get it all out now. I have pictures from Locker that I will keep for a rainy day. Altuve didn't want his shirt torn off after one of the games, and then people have found the video of him hitting a huge walk-off home run and and him coming up to home plate, and he's about to enter the mob of teammates celebrating, and he's clinging to his jersey saying, no, 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 don't rip it off. And Ken Rosenthal goes down to interview him, and and he kind of jokes, oh, I'm shy. My wife doesn't like when my jersey gets ripped off. Which, by the way, is like one of the five worst excuses you could think of in that moment. But he also ran up your into the dugout and clubhouse first and raced down the clubhouse tunnel as his teammates are on the field celebrating. So, like, he never got involved. And then he came back out to talk to Rosenthal after the fact. Trevor Bauer retweeted that thread of apparently uh, Carlos Beltran's niece, and we'll get to that in a second, and said. He's heard the same thing about the buzzer wires that players are wearing from multiple sources, which is just, I mean, let's just right there for a second. If it's true that we've gone beyond using technology to to hone in on what the signs are, and you can make a case that, all right, well, just like come up with whatever, just like come up with a way to... If players are going the extra step and wearing like device, like they're wired, like they're wearing devices, and instead of having to listen for a sound, they're wired. They're getting like they're getting a buzz when it's a curveball yeah. on their chest, and they know what pitch is coming. If that's the case, we talk about the performance enhancing drug to twenty years of PED scandals in baseball, and you could argue that that's still going on behind the scenes. At least in the heart of the PED era, both pitchers and hitters were were using PEDs, and at the end of the day. It's a, it's a strength and recovery mechanism to to help aid you if you make contact with. Ultimately, even though you might be roided up and hulked out, you're Jose Canseco, and now you've got you know three percent body fat and twenty inch pythons. You still have to make contact with a curveball, a slider, a fastball, and hit the ball a mile. Right. In this case, the advantage for the hitter to know what pitch is coming it is miles beyond what the performance enhancing drug era provided for hitters. Um. I don't even know, like, how reckless do we want to get with this right as now? As reckless as we can possibly. Reckless speculation. Something, we're the home of reckless speculation. Right, are you concerned about on. being too so, reckless? Something just hit the social media channels 
That is kind of, it's it's going into circulation now. It'll be a viral soon. David Brocious, I'm assuming yeah, the Scott son Brocious of Scott Brocious. Yeah. Did you see this? I did. Yeah, go ahead. This is great. This is It's awesome. twofold. Wait till we get to the second part. Okay. My dad was the third base coach for the Mariners in 2017. The Mariners knew they were cheating. Every team did. The MLB did. He knew exactly how they were doing it in 2017. The MLB just wasn't going to do anything about it until the public found out. My dad would give fake signs at third, acting like he knew what the Astros pitcher was going to throw, and Cora and Hinch would scream at him, calling it Bush League. Weird how that works. Laughing face emoji. And that's pretty good right there. That's, that's pretty good inside that's information right that's, there. That's some good dirt, right? Okay. He didn't stop there. Reckless speculation. He replies to somebody whose handle is at Markster84. I don't know what Markster's comment was on the original post, but he says, uh, if you want to read something better, Mike Trout takes HGH for a, quote, thyroid condition. It's a loophole he found, and the MLB doesn't make it public because they don't want fans knowing their best player is on HGH. But people within know, thought you'd appreciate that since you're a Dodgers fan. Reckless speculation. I gotta what co- is happening? What? So, so, so you could argue the two best players in baseball are Alex Bregman mm-hmm. and Mike Trout. And today, through various Facebook and Twitter posts and plugged in accounts, we have Alex Bregman being accused of wearing a buzzer wire under his jersey. Hey guys, we, no can, coming. we can relax, though, because statement just fresh from Major League Baseball. MLB explored wearable devices during the investigation, but found no evidence to substantiate it. So I, we can just stop talking about this right now, right? Major League Baseball conducted their investigation. Lim- you mean Altuve didn't keep that jersey and stick it in a frame, and baseball didn't go to his house and pull it down and find a tapped wire inside of it? I'm I'm shocked by this. There's literally a picture of Josh Reddick. Josh Reddick is like their number 7 hitter in that lineup from 2017. There's a picture of Josh Reddick. Some kind of a post game interview where he's on one of those like MLB network desks. Yep. And he's just got the sleeveless Under Armour shirt on. He's got the jersey off and the undershirt off. And there is a piece of tape across the top left area of his chest. Uh huh. And a, and a electronic device. An electronic <laughs> device is taped to his chest. I said today on <laughs> Sport North Live. And it that, wasn't a microphone, that, by the way. It could be a heart condition. It wasn't. Are we sure it wasn't a microphone? Because I was saying he could be mic'd up. I think he was holding the microphone. <laughs> I think he was, unless he, he was, was holding a hand. He mic'd up for like Astros.com. Do you know what the saddest thing? Do you know what the saddest thing? He's ab- mic'd up for Patriots. About, <laughs> about all of this is <laughs> the Do Your Job documentary. Post, post 98 steroid. This is, I'm not saying that you're happy to hear this because it's sad, but you're not shocked. There's nothing post steroid about baseball that was going to shock me. I actually am kind of shocked by this. I'm, I'm not I'm shocked because I so bought into the summer of Slam and Sammy and McGuire and all of that, and it and and I so bought into how great it was that these guys look like all look like Popeye, and the home runs were fantastic, and we all raced home and Fox was showing regular season baseball games. They were cutting in and showing at bats live. That when this all came out, I'm like, I was an idiot. I will never again be surprised yeah. by the lengths that baseball, well, and probably lots of sports, but let's start with baseball, will go to to cheat the system. And baseball, by its nature, is set up to almost encourage or at least dangle the carrot for people to cheat because it's so hard. Baseball Here, is so hard. Here's the other sad thing. If we find out that the Mike Trout tweet is absolutely true, I'm not going to care at this point. 
You just want him to be on HGH, and I just don't care. I don't care at this point. I mean, you don't like to what I level do you care not care at this point? To what level don't because you? Because the whole thing is so corrupted so often. I don't care. I just don't care anymore. Like I, I still like the sport, but I don't care anymore. I care. Baseball is my favorite sport, and I would rather everything be out in the open and on the up and up, or. I would rather... It hurts me. I'm not going to lie. It flat out yeah. hurts me. You know me. what, though? I'm tired of finding out... That's the, on you guys, then. The best player of generation after generation are frauds, if that is indeed the case with Mike Trout. I'm tired of it. And I'm. it's not even the best player. Like, just some of my... I, I don't want to think Jose Altuve is a cheater. Jose Altuve is two inches shorter than me, and I'm a short guy. That gives short guys like me hope that we can do big things. Jose Altuve is a fraud. And by the way, Jose Altuve just put out a statement. I'm making this personal. He put out a statement 15 minutes ago. Maybe this will ease your pain here, Rami. No! Through his agent, Scott Boris, who's also a great open oh, guy. Scott Boris ain't guy. ever going to so- never stretch the <laughs> some truth. more perjury. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, I have never worn an electronic device in my life playing baseball. Sure, guy. Okay. Yeah, and Bill Clinton was... Uh, <laughs> Never had cleared sexual too. relations <laughs> with, that with that woman. woman. With that yeah. Miss Miss Lawinsky. Mm-hmm. And yeah. to, to add to all of this, yes, Ma- Your Honor, Marley Rivera from ESPN. She's an ESPN baseball reporter. Yes, she tweeted yeah. out the Beltron family told me that this individual who claims to be Carlos Beltron's niece, who's been breaking all of this on Twitter, is not related to the family in any way. This person may or may not have additional information about the Astros sign stealing scandal, but. He or she is not related to the Beltran. To which Gary Sheffield's son um, went on Twitter and hypothesized and said he was doing this, that that is actually a burner account for a major league player. Who knows? Which would be great. Or it's Kevin Durant's burner account. Well, you know what? If that's the case, Durant's one heck of a baseball fan. So I have so many questions off this. I am so fascinated by this. And we will ask Joe Maurer about some of this. In about an hour from now, he's going to join the show. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Sage football wisdom and some Kirk Cousins and future of the Vikings talk here in about 12 minutes. But there's so many tentacles off this. Namely, like one of the one of the local tentacles is Marwin Gonzalez, Twins utility player, was a key catalyst on that 2017 Astros team. Yep. How much does he know? A lot, I'm sure. How How deep does this run across other teams? I got a text from someone right before the show started. Someone not affiliated at all with the Minnesota Twins, but someone who works in and around Major League Baseball for the last 15 years. And this person texted me. It goes really deep. I know a couple of different teams that have code-breaking technology. That's why when I was with blank team, I'm just going to say blank team, I had to create multiple sets of signs for our guys because if you used basic signs, yes. if you're a catcher and you use basic signs like yes. the number of outs and then another finger, the these other teams would steal your signs within five pitches. Mm-hmm. So really, like the the it's funny because so, the, the fix here is actually easy. Come code, up with more complicated signs. Code cracking technology. Yeah, where they would where they would like as far as I know they would like enter your your sequences into some computer or something, and it would like so they would st- would would they be stealing them from a camera then. Uh, how? Yeah, from a hidden from a camera that was just a small lens or something. Yeah, they would have that some, would, and they they would have some way of grabbing the. Yeah. I did see a story that that the Nationals did not change their signs all season long this past year until they played the Astros. At which point they knew what the Astros were doing and completely changed all of their signs. So the Astros probably thought going into the series, they would, oh, we got them. Yes, and the and the Nationals then at that point, and and that's the thing is two pronged here. One is. 
you got to think a lot of people in baseball knew all about this, but they just don't, they aren't going to talk about it. The other thing then my question is, so it's not just the Astros, it's not just the Red Sox. How many? How deep does this run? Like baseball's trying to make this look good because it seems like Manfred's going to go around suspending certain people, and then wink, wink, we'll fire, we'll fire the people at the top of that food chain, and it's going to look cleaned up. Yeah. But meanwhile, I guess my question comes back to this: How many people are ducking right now? And just hoping it doesn't get to them. It's not the people in baseball don't know about the fact they're cheating too. It's the fact as long as the public doesn't know, they're going to try and duck this. Yeah. Okay, what what do you guys view as the more egregious or or punishment worthy transgression? Mark McGuire and or Barry Bonds breaking the single season home run record on steroids or performance enhancing drugs, or Alex Bregman playing at an MVP level and and helping the and and let's say Altuve, and helping their team to a World Series. And I can't remember Bregman. Now he didn't win an MVP in 2017, but but winning awards because you know what you illegally have figured out a way to tap into what the other team's pitchers are going to throw you. Because I don't think it's close. I think because of the fact that a it's it's team wide. I feel crazy even saying this, and I didn't even consider the question until you just asked it. So this total reaction, I might change my mind in five minutes. But the fact that it's team wide, like this is this is organizational. That every Astros batter had had access to this. That and the fact that when it comes to PEDs, like even though it's a terrible choice to have to make, if you know your opponent is using PEDs, I guess you have the option of balancing the playing field, evening the playing field. You can yourself take PEDs. With this type of cheating, only one team has has even the opportunity to get that advantage, and it's the home team. You can't put this technology in place on the road. So this is a completely one-sided way of cheating, and there's no counter to it if you're the opponent. So I think, in my reaction right here, right now, that might change in five minutes, that this is worse than the PED scandal. I feel crazy saying that. No, I love this question. I absolutely love this. Thank you. So if you peel back, if you peel back the passion right now, because you know, as a baseball fan, you might be upset. But let's peel it back, okay? Well, let's have a a logical legal discussion of this. The only reason why the PED thing would really bother us deep down is because ba- in baseball, the the record book is sacred, right? Like if this was football, we'd be like Oh, the all-time touchdown reception record. Oh, who cares, right? So the difference to me, and it's really a black and white, if you think about it, without the passion involved, to your point, Rami, is this. Championships are being decided, potentially, largely, Mm -hmm. by this cheating. In 98, if I'm not mistaken, Cardinals didn't win a World Series, right? Cubs didn't. Barry Bonds didn't, right? In 98. As much fun as that was to watch, whatever, those guys those guys came and went, and their team was not a championship team. Houston was. Boston was. So I'll, I'll reframe the question this way. Let's take this conversation to football now. And let's say, hmm, Patriots might apply here. That a team won a championship based on cheating. In football, you're offended by that. If a record is broken, you're not offended. Like, if I take steroids and set the... Um, touchdown, rushing touchdown record. You don't give a damn. You're mm-hmm. like, okay, Judd, great. Good for you. I don't care. So I think it's an easy call to me. 
It's this based on the fact that championships, your season, you play 162 games in playoffs to decide this. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about it potentially largely, at least to a, to a degree, being decided by this cheating. Cody Bellinger 10 minutes ago tweeted, For the sake of the game, I hope this isn't true. If true, there needs to be major consequences to the players. This completely ruins the integrity of the game. Alex Wood quote tweeted that and said, Amen. The fact that there haven't been any consequences to any players up to this point is wild. Yeah. Now you have players, current players, dude, calling for and the league to come down on current players. Just quickly, I have. These ha- guys rats, by the way? I have. Well, the, uh, the one thing that I have heard is the Dodgers shouldn't get too haughty here. What I'm saying is I'm suspecting everybody now. For like, sure. don't give me the, this is tainted and we deserve you. Until we clear you, if I'm baseball, yeah. I'm going through every Carlos ball. Carlos Beltran worked for the Yankees before he worked exactly. for the Mets. But that's, like, C.C. Sabathia went on TV and was like, I'm and feeling like they Lo- the World Didn't our guy Lomo, didn't our guy, didn't Logan Morrison put out a tweet a couple days ago saying the Dodgers and Yankees did this? I didn't Did see something that. like this? But that, that Cody Bellinger tweet that Rami read, that's exactly what someone would say. If they were wired with a buzzer. <laughs> Should we subpoena him? I don't trust anybody now. Let's take him in. Um, Let's you, sweat him. Do you have the account that has been leaking all this stuff? Because Ryan from Apple Valley just said... Uh, the, it, the, there's been deleted tweets and stuff. I, I don't have it in front of me, but she definitely... She or he deleted a couple of these Does tweets. the account with all the leaks just accuse the Yankees of using video guys in the bullpen? Maybe that's why the Twins looked like a peewee team against them in the playoffs. Yeah, see, this is the... But this is the issue now. I'm not letting anybody off now. This is just... It, Tip of the iceberg. It's bonkers. It's bonkers. And there's there's so much more to come on this, too. I think there's a video... I, I should have teed Jonathan up for this. There's a video of Alex Bregman in that 2017 postseason. You, have you guys seen this? Where he's at the, the post-game press conference table... And I don't know if it was after they won the World Series or what, but like he had a bunch of big hits and and he had one in particular. It was like a home run or something that that was the difference in the game. And he's just sitting up there. He's super cocky and smug. And people have seen Alex Bregman. And somebody asked him, "So, uh, you know, what did you, you know, Bregman face? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What did you see on that pitch? Like, what uh, what were you looking for? And what and what did you see? And he goes, "Well, he starts laughing." And there was another player up on the podium with him, and they were just kind of laughing to each other, like they, some kind of an inside oh, joke. Mm. And he says something like, "It's almost like a, it's almost like I knew it was coming." <laughs> and then he gets up and leaves. Just Google like Alex Bregman oh. post game knew it was coming, oh, and see if we can find this. It's crazy. We're gonna get to stage football wisdom too, but real quick six five one six four six eight two five five. Paul, you're on. We're we're talking about. A ridiculous day of developments in this baseball cheating scandal here. Well, here's my problem with this whole thing. And I tweeted Roy Smalley about this after listening to his uh, podcast because he was really upset about this. People have been using video to, to steal things for years. How many times have we watched pitching coaches and catchers walk to the mound and cover their mouths? because they're afraid mm-hmm. their lips are being read by video somewhere. So this isn't anything, you know, this is a little revelatory about all this, you know, goofy stuff going on. But people have been using video to gain an advantage all the time. So why are we all up in arms about this? And Roy answered me and said, actually, you're right. If we're going to be consistent, uh, that's just as much a, a problem, too. But we've been watching it for years, haven't we? 
I think you're right. Thank you, Paul. And you bring up a good point. And we'll ask Joe Maurer about this in about 45 minutes. I think it's one thing if it's human element and you're on second base and you pick something up on second base and you relay it in or you pick something up, you know, a pitcher's tipping his pitches. I think to what Rami said earlier, if you have a camera in center field that the road team doesn't get to manipulate in the same way, and if you're wearing technology under your jersey that's that's signaling to you, it's so you have a video guy signaling to you what the pitch is. If baseball wants to say, listen, you know what? That's kind of cool. Like, you know what? We're going to just open it up and anyone who wants to wear a wire and have a video <laughs> guy in the hallway, cool. But when one team is doing this against Major League Baseball policies and rules and the other team doesn't know and doesn't participate, it's a ridiculously unfair advantage in a sport in which guys are throwing 95 miles an hour with movement. we got to get to a break pretty urgently, right? We do. Because I mentioned this yesterday on the show, but Tim Flannery, a longtime coach in Major League Baseball, he had a post yesterday that... While I don't entirely disagree with him, I think he brings up some good points. If we have time later in the show, I'll read it. But to the effect of what the caller just said, that video to steal signs is not a new thing, is basically what Flannery is saying in this. And a lot of people around baseball have known it for a long time. And he kind of paints it as this is this is part of the game and part of the chess match. And you're actually taking away from the chess match of baseball by trying to remove this from the game. If we have time later, it's kind of a longer post. I'd like to read it and see what you guys thought. And th- this would be a big deal and a scandal, but it wouldn't be this if if Manfred and MLB hadn't put out what the memo back in 2017, I believe it, when the Apple Watch thing was going on and it was the Red Sox and Astros complaining about stealing. And baseball basically spelled out that the next time somebody tries this, they're in trouble. And Rob Rob Manfred, who I'm not a huge fan of, does not like to be laughed at. And basically it looks like baseball is like, that's cute. You're a cute commissioner. Now go away while we cheat. Yeah. That's and that's part of the issue here that I think is causing a lot of the problems is that he was scoffed at, ignored, and now you got this. Well, so we'll we'll talk to Joe Mauer later day. on in the show here. Sage football wisdom Sorry, Ronnie. when we come back. He's, he's disappointed baseball. It hurts. Hurts a little bit. We'll talk about the future of the Minnesota Vikings. Also, Sage broke down a ton of Kirk Cousins film and has takes on Kirk Cousins film when we come back here. Can I ask just one Trubisky question? Just one, just what he meant by he could make all those plays while Patrick Mahomes. We'll allow it. Okay, we'll thank allow you. it. We'll right. allow it. Uh, let's talk about TCL here for just a brief moment. We're in the TCL studios here, and uh, we've got ESPN on here. ESPN is going deep all day long, just like we did in that first segment on this amazing cheating scandal. How deep does it run? Well, TCL is our official TV here at Score North for watching sports. Purple on Sundays during the season. Twins, ideally. Throughout the season, hitting Bombas on the 55-inch 4K Roku high-picture-quality TV. That built-in Roku device gives you access to 5,000 streaming channels like Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, HBO Now. If you're a cord cutter like I have become recently, YouTube TV, whatever your streaming service is, it's just a great tool to have in your bag. TCLUSA.com and any major local retailer in the Twin Cities, Judd Zolgad. Thank you, Phil. And this gives me a chance now to talk about my friend Jason Walgrave, the Walgrave Real Estate Group and their guaranteed sales program. And as sports fans, we, we like guarantees, right? Like a guarantee. Like I'm trying to think of, of a guarantee. Like I guarantee you're going to go to a baseball game and it's going to be played on the up and up. Oh, hold on a second. I can't guarantee that. I guarantee you the Vikings are going to be great next year. Wait, I can't guarantee that. Well, you know what? 
We love them when they're, they're correct, at least. And I'm going to tell you about a guarantee right now that could hit much closer to home than any sports guarantee. If you are looking to sell your house, Jason and his team will guarantee the sale of your home when you list with the Walgrave Real Estate Group. I said guarantee. Why have a guaranteed offer when you can have a guaranteed sale? All you need to do is go to minnesotahometalk.com and click on the guaranteed sale button to learn how the program works. Once again, that's the guaranteed sale button at minnesotahometalk.com. If you're going to move this spring, take that stress off, right? When you're going to move, there's so much going on. There's conversations to be had. There's people to consult with. There's just a lot of pressure. But the guaranteed sales program from my friend Jason Walgrave and the Walgrave Real Estate Group is going to take that pressure off. Again, it's this simple. All you need to do, go to minnesotahometalk.com, click on the guaranteed sale button to learn more. You'll be glad you did. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We will get you back to more recklessly speculating about what's going on in the latest in this Major League Baseball cheating scandal or Astros cheating scandal right now. Who knows how far this thing goes. But first, over at scorenorth.com, Matthew Collar has the first part of his future of the franchise series, starting with the quarterback. Collar breaks down Kirk Cousins' career year this season. He also makes the case for and against extending Kirk and the case for and against drafting a quarterback. That's over at scorenorth.com and is the first part of a series going through the Vikings position by position as we lead up to the NFL draft. We've also got Danny Cunningham's analysis of the Jeff Teague trade from earlier today, as well as all the analysis of the Josh Donaldson signing from Judd Zolgad and Derek Wetmore. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Judith Rami. Are you looking for him to make a mistake, or, or what are you hunting there? Um... I don't know. I don't know what I was looking for. Maybe that pitch. Are wow. you serious? Wow. Dude, that's unbelievable. That's Hold Alex, on a that, second. That's the Alex Bregman video we were talking about I'm, from 2017. I believe that what Alex Bregman just said defines the word to a T, brazen. <laughs> I, I was going to look up brazen, but I'm pretty sure that if you look up B R A Z E N, okay, he is brazen. Hold on, real quick. Let's br- let's bring Sage into this too. It's time for some Sage. Bold and without shame. Sage football wisdom, and you can find Sage with us every Thursday at four thirty. And so, Sage, I don't know how much you've kept up with this baseball cheating scandal story, but let's play this audio again. So this is as of today, Alex Bregman, one of the best players in baseball, has been accused of in 2017 wearing a buzzer wire under his jersey that a video guy in the clubhouse or in the hallway of the Astros dugout will press a button and he'll get a buzz on his chest if it's, let's say, a curveball. So this is a reporter after a big postseason game in 2017 asking Alex Bregman, so, uh, you know, what uh, on that home run you hit, what were, what were you looking for on that at-bat? Are you looking for him to make a mistake or, or what are you hunting there? Um, I don't know. I don't know what I was looking for. Maybe that pitch. <laughs> and you can hear other Astros players on the podium giggling. Giggling! This is so brazen! Including the guy sitting by him. It's amazing. I uh, am more thinking about that they would use the word hunting. I think that's sort of interesting. It's a bad I've never heard that before. What are you hunting for? Yeah, well, hunting for... What are you hunting for? Hunting I don't for. know. I guess that pitch. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it sounds like that was... Um, it was sort of right out in the open. You know, it was almost like they were challenging, uh, you know, Major League Baseball, whoever, uh, to catch them. And they just didn't think they were ever going to get caught. And, and uh, you know, they probably been do that for years. And then you get to a point where you just don't think it's ever going to come back to haunt you. And it looks like uh, a lot of people are going to go down for this. And I think I think it's good. I think it's important uh, when 
you have these things in sports or, or whatever, you know, some sort of corrupt act against the rules that uh, is, you know, makes the situation unfair. And, and uh, you know, I, I always feel like when I played football, you know, when I played sports in high school, uh, you know, I didn't take probably more than a um, – a protein shake when I was playing football. Maybe I should have taken all the supplements and all these things, but you know, I just didn't want to do all that, and and much less you know take human growth hormone or whatever it might be. So uh, you know, I think there's certain aspects. Yes, there's these traditional. But listen, I was constantly looking over at the other team's sideline trying to steal signals. That's a part of the game. Same in baseball, but this is a whole different thing where. You know, I'm a quarterback on the field, and I, you know, have a guy behind their bench who's seen what the signals are and then relaying to the quarterback. I mean, it's something sort of like that. It's a huge advantage if you know what is coming up next in football and baseball, whatever, uh, to be able to anticipate to what it's going to be be the next pitch or the next whatever it might be is a a huge advantage uh, in pretty much any sport. That that soundbite right there it reminded me of like a mobster, like being asked about somebody who disappeared. He's like, "Hey, I don't know. He was here yesterday. He's not here today. What do you want from me?" But Sage, is, is this is this on the same level? Do you think, or 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 worse than what the Patriots got caught doing and probably have successfully done countless times before that earlier this year with the Bengals? Well, you know, this thing with the Bengals this year, that was just odd to me. Like, I don't know. But obviously before, uh, I don't know if it was the, the um, when they beat the Rams and they had copied a walkthrough, like the day before, I mean, that is, that's, you know, very much, to me, that's that's sort of like this. I mean, that allows you to anticipate, that allows you to put, put your best foot forward. No, in baseball, knowing you're going to have, a, say, an off-speed pitch and to be able to wait on that and then just tee off on it, uh, I mean that is that's a huge advantage to have and and yeah that, to know what the other team's plays are uh, at least early in the ball game or what's their first third down that you know it's amazing what you can get in those those early walkthroughs because that's what teams do they want to walk through those first plays so you have that opening script so you don't screw them up yep. so there's no questions and for have somebody tape that man that is uh, to me is is about as bad as as you can get in the NFL so Sage when this stuff comes out we in the public are always astounded and disgusted and we can't believe that there's cheating and blah, 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 blah. But when you played, or even now, being somebody who is inside the game, you talk to players, you talk to teams, you played for teams, how much, and I'm I'm not saying identical to uh, the baseball thing, but like with the Patriots, how much is there concern that you guys don't necessarily talk about because there'd be no real reason to make it public? But how much concern do you think there is in football about certain ways of trying to cheat that, we in the studio might not even think about, but players or coaches with teams certainly do. Yeah, you know, I don't, like, I, as a player, there really wasn't much way to cheat. I mean, that's the whole thing, and I don't remember any coaches. I mean, the most you ever really see is, you know, uh, you know, your quarterback's coach might say, hey, I, you know, I, I called there, whoever coach on the staff yesterday. We talked a little bit, you know, and I think that that's a regular thing, you know, when, when, when these coaches who have known each other for decades sometimes and they're going to play each other, they have a little conversation. And it's always, you know, make sure you get a little bit more than you give, you know, type of scenario there. But, uh, uh, yeah, but that that was just, you know, that's just sort of friendly, you know, competition trying to trying to find some sort of leg up on your opponent, but not to where you're going outside some sort of rules or taping something or or you know the 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 deflation of the football is like that's a real thing. I, you know people can say what they want. You know Aaron Rodgers could throw uh, you know a sock that's frozen fifty five yards on a dime probably. It doesn't really matter with him. 
but with a lot of quarterbacks, the you know the 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 deflation of the football it, it makes a big difference. I threw I always wanted a ball that was a little bit more deflated. If I could deflate it another couple points or whatever, that would have, I would have been a better quarterback. In particular, in the cold at the end of the season, I mean that really does make a difference. And so to me, that was very obvious cheating. Uh, but uh, you know, the NFL has to decide what they can and cannot crack down on, and what's really worth it. And and I I actually don't think there's that much cheating in football. Uh, it, I think it's just sort of there's not a there's not a ton of things you can really cheat on because the game itself is pretty much you know, sort of is what it is. Well, it's a good thing that the ball just deflates itself in the cold, according to uh, Bill Belichick studies. Then Sage, right? Oh, that's right. That was part of that scenario, supposedly. So, well, we all know that. Uh, you know, there was a Seinfeld episode, I believe, on that where they went to the beach one time. I think it had something to do with lobsters or something. There was a. There was some sort of ball shrinkage uh, episode there. <laughs> One of my favorites. Go to the pool! <laughs> and because Jonathan loves to collect out-of-context clips on our show, you just got got. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's the way it goes. So, yeah, you know, I mean... I used to say, you know, shoot, Bill Belichick wins Super Bowls all the time, and he always says, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. You know, I don't think he actually said that, but uh, I think they're, they're, you know, everyone wants to push the envelope. I, m- I remember training with Drew Brees one time, and there's a guy that he works with in San Diego, and, and it, definitely not into cheating, but he'll have this thing is always try to find an edge on your opponent. On the other quarterbacks, do it. always do something a little bit more, a little bit different to be in the more cutting edge of the science or what's the best workout or maybe I can do my, something with my throwing motion. But, you know, how can I learn more about defense to anticipate? I mean, are, what are you doing today to give yourself a little bit of a sharper edge uh, and, and to make yourself better and, and to give yourself an advantage? And, and some people really push that line. I think you know, guys like Brees push that line looking for uh, something, but not something that's where, you know, possibly could be illegal. Yeah. Sage Rosenfels with us here on Mackie and Jeb with Rami for some sage football wisdom. And so we've we've been looking ahead all week at the Minnesota Vikings offseason. And the, the theme on this show has been how do you go from good to great? How do you, whether it's in 2020 or if you have to take a step back to get there at some point, how do you go from good to great? And let's let's start this conversation with Kirk Cousins because you did a, a great job on your Twitter account, Sage, just posting some film breakdowns and some different plays from the 49ers game. So can, can we start there and just let's start with the micro, which is what what did you learn watching film of that Niners game? And specifically, what did you learn about Kirk Cousins' performance in that game? And then now that you've watched Kirk Cousins for two years as a Viking, how far do you think they can go with him as the quarterback? Well, that's a good question. You know, and, and if the team around him is really, really good, I think that Kirk Cousins is good enough to win a Super Bowl. I mean, he's better than the guys like Trent Dilfer and some of these other guys. I mean, Rex Grossman got to a Super Bowl. I, I would take Kirk over him, you know, during that Bears season. But I don't think this. I don't know how this team gets that much better. They're they're in a tough sort of spot here. Yeah. I I get. I sometimes have little concerns of like, could this next season almost be that 2010 season, where it was like the year after. You know, the year after the almost or the whatever, uh, you know, they're going to have to have some serious free agent decisions. Uh, they have some really expensive guys. They have some veterans with you know really big salaries, twelve million dollars, ten million dollars. Um, you know, guys like Linville, who have been stalwarts in this defense for a long time. I, I believe he was about the thirtieth ranked defensive tackle, you know, nose tackle in the league, and he has a really a pretty high salary. So. Are, are some of these things going to start to change? And, is you know, can they make the team better when they get rid of 
some really good but expensive players? Or, you know, how do they feel, figure out this spot at corner with Xavier? My guess is he won't be here either. So there's, I'm concerned about where next year is going to be. And then when you have a quarterback who's really reliant on having this really good team around him, um, Dalvin Cook could get hurt, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah, I do have concerns because Kirk is just not one of those guys that makes everybody way better. He just doesn't like raise the level of the, of, of the team. He doesn't when, when they don't run the football, they don't win. I mean, that's just pretty much it. If they can't run the football, they can't really win. And that he's, yeah, that's what I have seen. Uh, you know, I, you watch all these playoff games, and you know, of course, you got Pat Mahomes and. And, and some of these other quarterbacks, Aaron, uh, you know, even Garoppolo, the way he moves pretty good in the pocket. But, you know, the way these guys move around and, and when, you know, the pocket isn't good and they still get throws off and they still get completions off and they hit guys that are sort of covered, but they figure out a way to get them the ball. Kirk doesn't really do that a lot. If things are in rhythm and, and everything is good, he usually hits guys. But even in this game, you know, there were some shots down the field that I thought that were open enough that he should have made those throws. And they weren't super complicated plays. They, sometimes they were sort of tight throws. You go, yeah, I can see why he didn't throw that. But you know, then you go to the other side, and Garoppolo makes the exact same throw. Say a linebacker is turned, he's running back, turned to the quarterback, running back, trying to get underneath some sort of crossing route. Garoppolo throws it because Anthony Barr can't play because he just played the run. On the other side, uh, he had a couple of those types of throws that uh, Kirk Cousins did and didn't pull the trigger, checked the ball down, got a nice completion for five yards, and those are good. It's important to you know, sort of keep ahead of the chains, as they say, and, and, and you don't want to have those completions, but you do have to make some chunk yard plays in the NFL. If, if you watch a football game of 60 or 65 plays on offense, and sometimes it's only 45 but and up to maybe 75, but usually it's around that 60 to 65 number. And then you got 65 on defense here, special teams plays. There's a lot of sort of minutia plays in there, five yards and three yards and loss of two and gain of eight. But then you have these big plays, these 20, 30, 40-yarders, that you have to have those chunk plays. And he had some of those chunk plays in this playoff game. The Vikings already had sort of the work cut out with them with back-to-back games on a short week on the road and against a team with the bye. The quarterback has to make those big throws because it's just too hard to get guys open like that. It's hard in this league for Kevin Stefanski or Kyle Shanahan or whoever it might be to get people on a 20-yard dagger route where they can catch it and they can run and get 25, 30 yards. He had about three of those in this football game, and he's got to make those throws in those types of football games. And, and, and he made a lot of them this year, but not when it mattered most. And, and he got that big win uh, with that first playoff win. But the question is, how far can, can he take them um, if he is not a guy who can sort of create offense? Uh, because even that game, he, there was offense that was there that he didn't get. But there's times also you got to have a quarterback that can create offense when the left guard does get beat or the right tackle does get beat or there is no running game. There needs to be some games where we can say, yeah, we can win this. We can win a game with Kirk Cousins, even though we're not going to run for probably 50 yards. The Vikings can't do that right now. Those five plays aside, where where you point out on your on your Twitter timeline, there were plays there to be made for Kirk Cousins, and he didn't make them. Was there anything game plan wise or scheme wise? while you were watching and thinking that they could do differently? Because we all armchair quarterback at home, but you're actually a quarterback. I was sitting there going, I don't know that there's anything that they can do differently. It felt like I was watching a boxing match, Sage, where the 49ers just knew what punch was coming. They were ready to block and counterpunch whatever the Vikings threw at them. 
Well, you know, a couple of things. I, that was a good football game. You know, it wasn't like some blowout ended up being 17 points, but it wasn't a blowout in any way. It was a sort of grinded out football game, and the the 49ers made those plays. They scored early. The Vikings counterpunched, and they just sort of kept, you know, scoring. I think that they were a fresher football team. Uh, for sure, obviously the turnovers, uh, you know, hurt Minnesota uh, more than they did. You know, there again, there was another play in the red zone where the Vikings basically went empty. They went five verticals, and I, I think if he just takes his footwork and reads the coverage right, I think he's got Stephon Diggs on a one-on-one on the outside. Uh, he doesn't end up throwing it; ends up being a sack, and I think they kick a field goal. But you know, that's that's seven points versus three, and, and sometimes you got to have your quarterback play great, and you had to have him make those throws, uh, and, and they didn't do that. So, you know, I don't think uh, uh, the 49ers did anything in particular. Yes, their defense was, you know, people were like, oh, their offensive line got beat down, they got beat down, but, you know, not early in the game. I thought the offensive line did a pretty good job, and, yeah, you knew there was going to be three or four sacks in that game, but, you know, quarterbacks, you know, teams can give up three or four sacks and still win football games, and, and when they were behind and they had to throw, of course, that always exposes this offensive line's weaknesses. But I think early in that football game, if they would have scored more points early in that first half, uh, they would have had a real shot in the second half. Sage, if the Dalvin Cook camp comes to you in the next uh, month or so and says we're, we're going, or our client's going into to the last year of his contract, he's not going to be compensated probably what he deserves. We want to talk about a Zeke-like extension. If you're Rick Spielman and the Vikings, what's your response to that? This is something that I've been really mulling over. I'm sure you guys have talked about it a little bit, but you know he's he's their best player on offense. I I, you know, I think Stephon Diggs is a stud, and uh, but he is their best player on offense. He does. I mean, the Kansas City game, he he had a, he had 86 yards receiving plus all of his rushing. I mean, he he's one of their best weapons in the passing game too. Whether it's just checking down or whether it's you know screens, sometimes he's so valuable, and, and you can see there's a drop off when he doesn't play. Uh, he is one of the biggest playmakers this team has. He's so important. The, the quarterback is way better. The line is way better because of him, uh, you know, in a lot of ways. But he also, he does get injured. And there's this whole sort of philosophy is like, do you or don't you play quarterback? I mean, it's not working out very well for the Rams right now. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, the Cowboys, they didn't make the playoffs either. Uh, but, you know, the running game, I think, really, really is important. It's, it, it's interesting, the, the 49ers, who I believe are number one in the NFC in rushing, de- definitely in the top one or two, you know, they have the lightest line, and they have three or even four backs that they constantly use. I mean, they, I think Telvin, Tevin Coleman is their number one guy, but they, that Mostert and, and, uh, and, and Breda, I mean, but they're all small, fast backs, and they probably think, well, we're not going to pay either any one of these guys a ton, um, so I don't know if they go after, you know, and give them $15 million a year because it hasn't always worked out for a lot of other teams. It didn't help the Jets this year, giving Le'Veon Bell all that money. But, you know, I, I love Dalvin Cook as a player. I, 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 this Vikings team, he, he's very valuable to it. But if, you know, he gets hurt and they're, they're you know, spending another $15 million on a running back or a guy not playing very well, uh, which they did some, too much of that this year, you know, that would be a real problem for the future. Okay, last thing for you here, Sage. Is it riskier to give Kirk Cousins at relatively the same price, if not more? Is it riskier for the Vikings to continue on for the next three to five years with highly paid Kirk Cousins? Or is it riskier to just eliminate yourself from a couple of potentially quarterback-rich drafts in 2020 and 21 where you could get your quarterback of the future? You know, I I see the I think the Vikings should try to draft a quarterback. You know, yeah. I think they're going to need 
some players defensively. They sort of loaded up on offense last year and had a fantastic draft. I mean, I saw some things out there like, should the Vikings fire uh, uh, you know, their head coach and their GM? And I'm sitting there going, like, did you see last year's draft? I mean, those guys all played, played well, played a lot, um, and, and found, some, found some just good quality players in there and some really good players in there. So uh, I thought they did a really good job last year. They may need to go some defense this year, but I can see at the quarterback position – you know, do you think Kirk is your long-term answer? Are they really thinking sign him to an extension? Um, and yeah, there's the aspect of like, okay, let's just say we let him go. Well, then we might up with you know some crappy quarterback and we're starting over again. But you know, Collar had an interesting point. You know, the Vikings with Ponder made the playoffs at ten and six. All right, and the Vikings with Tavares Jackson made the playoffs. Right, so you know, is Kirk Cousins that much? Would you know they didn't sign those guys to big, huge extensions? Right, it was a more about the the football team being really, really good. And I think that the Vikings team this year was really, really good, and that's why they had you know so much success. But yeah, yeah, of course you take that risk when you hope that you have some young player or somebody else. But um, you know, sometimes to to win the whole thing, that's the why that's why you play it. You have to take those risks, and sometimes you fail, but. I don't know if Kirk has enough with a football team that may not be better, definitely going to be younger. Uh, I don't know if he's enough to get this team all the way over the top. That's Sage Rosenfels. He spent over a decade Whoa. in the NFL. Yeah, Whoa. I, Whoa, we got to get the Rami question said quick. I, you oh, said I could I, ask this question, did I, didn't I you? totally forgot about this. This is ridiculous, by so, the way. So, Sage. This is ridiculous. January 12th, at Sage Rosenfels 18, while Patrick Mahomes was making magic happen in a comeback, Against the Houston Texans, you, sir, quarterback <laughs> guru, tweeted out, Trubisky could make these plays too. too. Tell me it's true, Sage Rosenfels. Tell me true. it's true. Hacked. Obviously, you, <laughs> it is true. Are you one of those people that I have to hashtag a sarcasm to? Are you one of those people, or can you just read through it? I. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to realize Trubisky was the first quarterback drafted amongst those three. Maybe I just wanted to believe it so much, Sage, that I didn't. I didn't see the, the sarcasm. Next time, I'll hashtag sarcasm for you. Damn you, Sage Rosenfelds. Damn you, sir. Bravo, Sage. Bravo. You got Grossman and Rami and Trubisky on the same. I got a whole bunch of people. People are like, are you serious? I was getting all types of... Uh, you got any Cutler bashing you want to do here? You got Grossman. You got Trubisky. Let's go for the trifecta, Sage. Rumor has it Cutler, Cutler? Rumor has it Cutler is liked more than ever from this reality show. I've never seen it, but people just love him. They, he's, they say he's hilarious. He's the only good thing it? about that show. Yeah. Phil and I said we want a spinoff of that show. Just Jay. It's the best. Being the, the grumpy old man. Just Jay. Being the grumpy old man works great for a reality show. It doesn't work great uh, in front of eighty thousand people. No, so it's uh, you know, good for Jay. The way it goes. Good, for, yeah, good Jay. for Jay. Good for Jay. <laughs> All right, Sage. Take care, man. We'll talk All next right, week. Sounds good. Sage football wisdom here on <laughs> Mackie and Judd. <Johnny. laughs> oh, so am I still on? So yeah, you're still on. You're so hey, real quick, real quick. You're live, though, so don't say anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Real quick, uh, I just purchased my ticket today. I'm going to go down to Miami uh, Monday through Friday, so I'll Boom. do a little corresponding oh, nice. from the Super Bowl. Nice. So I'll also talk to Eric from uh, Pro Football Focus. He's going to be down there. So I'm sure we'll have some some various things going on. Boom! Our, our, our journeyman correspondent. We'll talk to you from 85 degree Miami. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to the trip. Yeah. Well, only a 110 degree difference. Yeah, you should today. be looking That's forward to it. Since we're stuck in this. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to Sage. Poor Rami. This is Sexy. a bad bad sports day for You're me. You're legit sad yeah, right this now. Base, baseball completely corrupt. Baseball's fraudulent. 
Sage Rosenfeld's tweet about Mitchell Trubisky, fraudulent. Like nothing. It wasn't just, fraudulent. I mean, it wasn't fraudulent. It was, yeah. He didn't read He was just mocking Trubisky. Can I just go home? Can I? <laughs> I don't need this. <laughs> I didn't come Do we here need for to put this. a wire on you for, and buzz it every time there's sarcasm coming now? Yes. <laughs> that would be helpful. <laughs> let's go. Let's crank it up 10 out of 10. <laughs> That would be hilarious if this thing Actually. got outed because like someone pulled a prank and cranked up the buzzer to like electrocute Jose Altuve at the plate. That that's where we. <laughs> that's where we we need the signal. Sarcasm. Real sarcasm. We've moved on from banging trash cans, guys. All right, this is Mitch, more sophisticated now. Mitch Trubisky is a franchise quarterback. Sarcasm. All right, Robbie's going to kill us. <laughs> He's going to start crying. I feel terrible. We're going to come. We're going to come back. I'm not going to repeat no. it, but I just gave you a drop, Jonathan. If I know. You, if you I, go I'm writing it down right now, and I'm so happy about that drop. Thank you for that. Joe Maurer is going to join the show shortly. When we come back here in about ten fifteen minutes, also the twenty year anniversary of a gateway game in the NFL, and more drops for Jonathan. So many in the past couple days. You know, Federated Insurance was once again named the top 150 workplace by the Star Tribune. It's the second year in a row. Star Tribune also named Jeff Fetters the top CEO for large companies in Minnesota. A lot of good things happening at Federated. And they take those good things, they channel them into your business and give business owners peace of mind here in the Twin Cities. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over 100 years of experience in helping business owners Federated is also very charitable. They donate and raise millions and millions of dollars for Big Brothers, Big Sisters. In fact, over the past 15 years, they've donated or raised over $35 million, and 100% of that goes to Big Brothers, Big Sisters. So they just, a lot of good things happening and uh, constantly looking for ways to help protect your business. You can find out more about Federated at federatedinsurance.com, or you can find a full list of industries the Federated protects, and you can find your Federated marketing representative. Federated, it's their business to protect yours. Also, let's talk about finances here for a second. I, I definitely, a couple years ago, I made it my mission to just, all right, I know that I'm young, still relatively speaking, in my early mid-30s, uh, so I, I've got I've got all kinds of time to figure out retirement, right? That's, that's decades down the road, but I started doing some math and adding up, and so I just want to make sure that me as a non-expert, am talking to an expert. Well, Dale Tondrick is an expert. When you talk to Dale Tondrick, you'll meet face to face with somebody who spends his entire life, every waking second of his day, thinking about how to help people plan for their retirements. Whether you're 30 or 60, it's Dale's life's work to help people save and make sure they have enough money for retirement. And really, to take that a step further, to help people be able to call their own shots. Later in life, Dale Tondrick is a trusted source of information to help you on your path to retirement. So it's never too late, by the way, to change course or to make sure that you're doing the right things. You can call Tondrick Wealth Management today at 952-401-1671. Just give them a call. 952-401-1671. Tell them Phil Mackey told you to call. Or go to myinvestingcoach.com. That's myinvestingcoach.com. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, God. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three, four. 
It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Wow. <laughs> Nobody escapes the show without Jonathan oh, clipping man. out of context things. I love it. Bringing them back. I love it. Who, who, who do you, who, oh, by the way, we forgot to mention at the end of that Sage Rosenfeld's conversation, uh, we have a new leader in the clubhouse here. In the good question standings, I am up one to nothing to nothing. I'm protesting that one. He gave me a good question. He paused that. on you, Judd. Like, I was, know. It was know. like an umpire, like delayed call, and then he was like, ball. Nope. You know what's funny? Mm-hmm. I no good question for you. that question a ride, and if you saw, I started trotting yeah. after it. Mm-hmm. I, I was admiring the question, yeah. and I'm watching it. And it just died at the warning track. And it hit the wall. Yep. <laughs> it hit the wall, and now I've been benched. You wanted it so bad, too. The wind was blowing in. Oh, yeah. It was tough. I resorted you, you it. You gave it a ride. I felt for you, man. You gave I, it a ride. I, I styled it. I watched it. Mm-hmm. I trotted. Pimped it. And it hit the wall. Like the kids would say. <laughs> you pimped it. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's because the buzzer went off right inside my hoodie. And I knew what was coming. <laughs> Dalvin Cook question. There it is. Hey, in the in the next few minutes here, we're gonna we're gonna get to Joe Maurer in about five minutes from now. Get his thoughts on Josh Donaldson and also the cheating scandal. But today is the twentieth anniversary. Time flies of what I would consider, and I want your guys' thoughts on this. One of the underrated key gateway games of the of the last twenty years of the NFL. You had the St. Louis Rams' greatest show on turf that nineteen ninety nine team that went on to win the Super Bowl. They beat the Vikings that came off the 1998 season the year before as the highest scoring and highest powered offense in NFL history, only to lose in the playoffs. You had the two greatest offenses of all time facing each other in the 1999 playoffs. The Rams won that game 49 to 37. And the, Vi- the Vikings, I think the Vikings were right in it. The Vikings might have even had a lead at halftime, if I remember right. And then the Rams just took off in the second half and put distance between them. So you had Peyton Manning enter the league in 1998, and then you had the the Randy Moss Minnesota Vikings offense of 1998, and then the greatest show on turf in 1999. And I think I almost think this game is an under underrated gateway to high powered offenses and passing attacks that we sort of see in in today's NFL. What do you remember from that game, John? I uh, I believe that's the game in which Jeff George fumbled the ball and then watched it. Yes, and made a business decision, and would not. Yeah, but which is which is fine if it's um, it was very much a Cam Newton type decision. But if it's like December eighth, and I'm, I'd say, well, that's too bad you didn't pick up that football. But it's a playoff yeah. game, so we were all saying, why aren't you picking up that football, Jeff George? And that business decision ultimately, I think, did hurt him in the long run. But yeah, well, the well, I think this goes back to your point to the '98 Vikings, right? And the fact that Moss, and this is why I keep coming back to. 84 should be retired by the Vikings because Randy Moss changed how we looked at football. Without Randy Moss, the 98 Vikings are a really good offensive team. Robert Smith, Chris Carter, Jake Reed, they've got nice, uh, David Palmer, they've got nice components, but they're not a high-flying act, all right? So Randy in 98 made them that, and I really think that it opened the eyes of teams that are like, oh, hold on a second here, because what happens every year after a team like the Vikings did in 98, redefines things offensively or defensively, somebody comes along with similar personnel and is like, hold on a second, if we just tweak this and tweak that, we're even better or as good and certainly high-flying. And that's what I think the Rams did. So that game sort of culminated in, as as much as it stunk if you were a Vikings fan, that game culminated in 
almost solidifying something the Vikings had taken and mastered it even more so. So I think that that game goes back to 98 and then comes full circle. And in in 99, the Rams said, we're going to take that blueprint and we're going to go with that blueprint and probably slightly, although I don't think that they had a Moss, slightly improve it. Yeah, it's. I really think in... You know, and Rami was probably watching putrid Bears offenses in the late 1990s when these offenses were high flying. It's been a tough day for Rami, but I, I think we got to back off Rami. I mean, seriously, like I, I know where to draw <laughs> oh, the line. Come on. Like, it's, it's not even it's he's beating, he's it's beating a, down. It's a now. gash at this point. You're just pouring sea salt into <laughs> it. Rex Grossman got ripped, and no one saw it coming. Which I got to admit was great. Yeah, but. it was that was a drive by. That was a drive by. But it it was. I think the late we talk about you know. <laughs> The steroid era in baseball and all the home runs, but I think the late '90s in the NFL with the Vikings offense, with the greatest show on turf, that's one of the more fun periods of of my life watching the NFL. I think the like '98, '99, and then into the Peyton Manning era in the early 2000s. Yeah, that was a great time in the NFL, and you're right; it was like a turning point. It was a transition point when high flying offenses, like there were high flying offense before that, but they became widespread throughout the league, and more and more teams were trying to do what the Vikings and what the Rams are doing, and now you have teams like that. Well, the whole league is basically trying to do that now. Well, the smart teams are. And we were so incredibly fortunate uh, for that time period that you're talking about, Phil, to get to watch Moss, because we saw that. I mean, that was, without going, well, this might be going complete hyperbole, and people might scoff, but in some ways, that was probably like watching Jordan if you were a Bulls fan. Or Babe Ruth, if you were a Yankees fan. I mean, he did things that people hadn't done. Or Alex Bregman, if you're an Astros fan. Are you saying that Moss knew exactly what was? <laughs> no, but he did things. And Cunning- right, Randy, uh, yeah, you can take this playoff. It's a run. And he did. And Cunningham was fantastic that year. And George was good when he replaced um, Cunningham in 99. But all of those things, you still just had to throw the ball upwards. Yeah. And Moss was going to catch it. In that game, by the way... Kurt Warner was 27 of 33 for 391 and five touchdowns, one interception. He had a 143 passer rating. And Jeff George, some of this came in garbage time, but he was 29 of 50 for 423 and four touchdowns and one interception. When when, when was the crazy uh, Packers-Rams playoff game in which Favre threw like six picks? It was right around was that same time. That, maybe? It was right around that era. Because that, that's the one where I think he threw six or seven and he, he told somebody, he, he said... Seven, I could throw an eight. Thanks, Brett. I love it. But he basically... doesn't give a rat's ass. But he just... They went back and forth. Yeah. And he kept getting picked, and of course, Brett being Brett didn't Leroy Leroy Butler told the story numerous times when I worked with him, and I think told the story on here that in games like that, where Brett Favre would have multiple interceptions, he'd run onto the sidelines going... I don't know. I might throw another one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, go get it back, boys. I might throw another one. Slap someone's ass. He does not care. Oh, that's hilarious. That's the gunslinger attitude. Like, he literally had a gunslinger attitude. Like, yeah, I might go down, but I'm going to go down shooting. Yeah, Brett Favre was a huge part of that era, too. I mean, coming off Super Bowl win and a Super Bowl appearance in the late 90s. So, uh, so Vikings-Rams and uh, just one of those games that the Vikings, it signified the end of an era for them. You're in the middle of 25 straight minutes of Mackie and Jeb with Rami, whether you like it or not right now. And earlier today, as part of the Score Our Twin Show, Derek Wetmore and I caught up with Joseph Patrick Maurer, Twins Hall of Famer, one of the great catchers of all time. And uh, we so, so full disclosure, we talked to Joe before the buzzer thing came out, but he had takes on the Astros and cheating and everything that's happening around baseball. We talked to Joe about a charity event 
He's part of, later on this month, Josh Donaldson signing with the Twins and cheating in baseball. This is our conversation with Joe Maurer from earlier. And Joe, before we dive into the signing of Josh Donaldson and teams banging on trash cans and things like that, uh, tell the audience about the 8th Annual Home Plate Gala that's coming up here on Saturday, January 25th. Yeah, well, guys, thanks first for uh, letting me come on and, and talk to you guys about Crescent Cove. Um, you know, obviously, we're big supporters of uh, of Crescent Cove. Um, actually, it was kind of Harmon. Harmon started this um, the support with the Twins and kind of passed the torch uh, down to to players like myself. And um, you know, it just it's just a great organization. It's it's a children's respite and hospice home um, in Brooklyn Center, and it's only uh, the third of its kind here in the U.S. So. Uh, we're lucky to have a, a place like that for um, kids and their families to go to, uh, you know, in time of need. But um, we're kicking off their biggest fundraiser. It's the uh, eighth annual home plate gala, as you mentioned, on Sunday or Saturday, January 25th, at the St. Paul River Center. And uh, we're really excited to to try to raise uh, some money for uh, this special place. Yeah. Uh, so how did how did you what, what's what's your tie in here and um, and what was the tie in initially with Harmon Killebrew, Joe? Well, Harmon uh, is right at the top of my list uh, of favorite people. Um, just people. I mean, obviously, we know how great of a player he was, but um, the things that he did in the community. And, um, you know, just was a great example for younger players, uh, you know, such as myself to kind of follow in his footsteps. So he kind of introduced, uh, Crescent Cove to me at a, at a young age. And, um, you know, I've gotten more involved with it, with the group, uh, you know, in the past few years. But, um, like I said, I, uh, I love to talk Crescent Cove and, um, you know, kind of, uh, get the word out about that place because it is so special. And, and the website, if, if listeners, if you're interested in tickets, tickets are on sale through this weekend through this saturday so um or through through january 18th so through this weekend crescentcove.org slash home plate gala and it's at the saint paul river center saturday january 25th the eighth annual home plate gala so check out crescentcove.org slash home plate gala if you want tickets i just want to add one more thing you know not just myself uh the twins will be heavily represented there and um you know guys like tony oliva jack morris uh paul molitor and a couple current Twins players, which I'm excited to, which kind of introduce, uh, you know, to the to the gala as well as Max Kepler and Randy Dobnik. So uh, thanks to those guys for coming out and supporting such a great cause. So the Twins already broke the home run record last year and have an awesome lineup. And I think everyone into the offseason thought, well, if you could just add one more big-time starting pitcher. But they pivot, and they spend a bunch of money on Josh Donaldson, who was the MVP just a handful of years ago and had a bounce-back season last year after injury. They just added one of the best players in baseball to this lineup. He is 34 years old, but what, when you saw that news come down, uh, what, what can you tell us about Josh Donaldson from just your experiences around him, all-star games and whatnot, and, and what were your thoughts when you saw that come down? Well, it's, it's exciting. You know, uh, a player of that caliber, you know, an MVP, and um, obviously I know what he can do on the field. And, um, you know, Twins fans should be excited. It's, like you said, they, they added – one of the best uh, players to an already uh, really good offense. So um, Josh Donaldson's one of those guys when you when you played against him, uh, when he came to the plate, uh, you kind of hope nobody's on and uh, that he can't hurt you too bad. But um, yeah, he's he's a heck of a talent, and uh, I'm excited to uh, to see him in a Twins uniform. So baseball has a, a real, at least public relations problem now, if not just a problem in general with this, the sign-stealing controversy. So sign-stealing has been a thing for 120-plus years in baseball. 
And I mean, there, I guess my question to you is with all the technology we have now in ballparks and with the fact that sign stealing has just been part of the fabric of the game. And if you can get it the old fashioned way, great. Where, where would you like to see a line drawn here, Joe? Well, I, I think they just did it, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and seeing what happened. And, and to be honest, I haven't, uh, you read up on, on the investigation and things like that, but for, uh, you know, commissioner to come out and suspend guys for a year, that, that tells you how serious it is and, and how wrong it is. Um, you know, it's what they did is it's cheating. I mean, it's just to me in my eyes, it's, it's, uh, using steroids or, you know, cheating a certain way like that. So it's, uh, really disappointing. And, um, you know, guys that, uh, you know, playing it the right way, uh, you know, it, you're angry, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's just not a good uh, a good thing, but I'm glad that they're coming out and um, you know, punishing guys for guys that are you know not doing it the right way. But um, as far as sign stealing goes, you know, using technology or cameras to to hone in on opposing players or teams, to me, it just feels wrong. And um, I uh, you know, and that's my opinion. And if you're out on the you know on the field in the box and you see a pitcher's tipping his glove a certain way, I, you know, to me that's fair game. But, um, or picking up, uh, sign sequences while you're out on second base looking in or seeing how a pitcher's holding a, uh, holding the baseball and relaying it to your guy, that, that to me is fair play. But when you start going in and, you know, using that type of technology, I just think it's flat out wrong. Can you put into context, I, I remember, there was an at-bat, I just remember watching you against Aroldis Chapman when Chapman was in Cincinnati, and you had like a 10 or 11 pitch at-bat. I'm sure you remember every detail about it, but I remember in the in the aftermath of that game, so somebody asked you, boy, that guy's throwing 104 miles an hour with a 92-mile-an-hour slider. I mean, how, how are you able to sit up there? And you said, well... I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I eliminated his slider because he doesn't throw it for a strike. And so it, it makes, I mean, if I know, if, yeah. I, if I know I'm honed in on a fastball, a professional hitter, you can fire a ball out of a cannon. And I mean, can you put into context when a hitter either is tipped off or knows what pitch is or isn't coming, how much easier it can be for you guys? Oh, it's, uh, it's a lot easier. And, and like you said, I mean, the guy's throwing 104 miles an hour. It's still challenging to hit, but. Um, when you're looking for one pitch, rather you know two or three, it's 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 a lot easier. Um, and it you know that's the thing. It would it'll always be a what if uh, you know they weren't doing that, would the the results been the same? It, you know who knows. But uh, as a hitter, I know if I know what pitch is coming, it, it's a huge advantage. Um, you know for the hitter. All right, that was our buddy Joe Maurer, and you can find by the way the full interview is 15 minutes long, and you can find it. Anywhere you find podcasts, the Score North Twins Show. Find it on Apple, Spotify, or the Score North app. And we thank him for coming on and uh, giving his thoughts on Josh Donaldson. And, and he flat out said, I mean, the, Joe's not like aggressive take guy, but he flat out said, I view the cheating that the Astros have been doing in the same light as steroid use. Alex Wood from the Dodgers tweeted, I'd rather face somebody on steroids than somebody who knows every pitch that's coming. Yeah. I mean that's a huge advantage. And plus, it could be the entire team. Well, because right. if you if you face a guy who's on steroids, you face Mark McGuire in his prime on steroids, frothing at the mouth and sawdust coming off the bat, sure. elastic sleeves. Well, you could still blow a fastball by him. Right, it doesn't guarantee that he's going to hit the pitch. If you're facing Alex Bregman and he knows that you're throwing a fastball, you're screwed, pretty much. And then the next guy probably knows what's coming, and the next guy, and the next guy. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, th- it doesn't stop. This was a systematic deal where you got to, you have to figure when the Astros were home, everybody on the Astros who wanted in got in, right? This was uh, Tim Flannery, longtime coach in Major League Baseball. He posted this on This Day in Baseball yesterday on their Facebook page. And he said, from Tim Flannery, and by the way, this is long, so if you guys want to stop me and talk about one of his points, feel free to go ahead and stop me and talk about one of his points. We'll buzz you, okay? Do that. He says, from Tim Flannery, they are finding teams who try to steal signs. Ha, 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 got out just in time. Says, okay, I feel a need to speak out. Normal is changing, and today's norm is not the norm. For 26 years, I was in the big leagues, 10 as a player, 16 as a third base coach, 20 if you count the other years learning the craft in the minor leagues, from Boise to Wichita. The seriousness of Twitter, the expertise from the front office man, the commissioner to those who have never lived it, here it is. I have 25 World Series games under my belt, seven elimination games, and a seventh game of a World Series. Five World Series, three World Championships. I know it don't mean much to those in front of a computer with the answers and all the rules, so I'm going to make a long story short. Already too late for that, Tim. (laughs) I had a video camera on every third base coach every single night. I spent hours logging tapes, trying to steal your signs and finding a way to beat you. You as well did it. In New York, I knew the Valentine Mets did it. I knew the Cubs did it. Uh, Let's see. I knew the D-backs. St. Louis did it. I caught them. That's when the fun begins. You bleep them up by changing signs. You tell the boys, if I put a hit and run on first pitch, don't do anything. They will pitch out. And now they don't have the signs and you're in a hitter's count. The list goes uh, on and on. Oh my God, if awesome. you aren't smart enough, and believe me, this isn't rocket science, it's being somewhat aware. It's your fault. Now the game is turned into breaking up double, no breaking up double plays. Don't slide hard at home. Don't block the plate. If you are not creative enough to de- derail them, uh, damn, I lost my place. There you go. You've stopped thinking. As far as some of the greatest baseball writers who I love, read, and listen to, and hang with, you are so off on the sign stuff. It's a high-stakes poker game. Big money, especially as coaches. If you get caught, if your signs are stolen, or you don't know in the moment they are close, they are on you. You're not thinking, and now because of that, the commissioner comes in not understanding. The writer's right. Stealing signs is wrong. We had an advanced scout that could watch your third base coach for three days and be real close to getting his signs. He would send his report, and I would watch you. <clears throat> Excuse me, or have a camera on you. If you haven't played, you don't understand how important this part of the game should be. Okay, there's more. I'm okay with. Uh, I love it. I understand that this conversation is going to go and enter murky ground. Okay, but most of what he's saying, I'm okay with even training a camera on a third base coach and picking up signs and sitting in a dungeon of a clubhouse trying to deduct what those signs are. Because this is very close to what's cheating and what's not. What strikes me as cheating is the instantaneous, I have a camera, somebody's, uh, as the game's going on, in a room, relaying either through a buzzer in my jersey or through the trash can hitting. I I personally think, at first blush, there's a difference between yeah. I am preparing for for you, and I might be bending rules here. I mean, there might be a problem, but I'm preparing for you as opposed to... Um, s- Rami calls Phil, who hits a trash can that indicates to me a curveball's coming. So I, I, I would, I have a slightly different take than than you just gave. I think it's more about evening the playing field, home versus away. Where I think the, I think the disadvantage is less in well, there's cameras and like yeah, it's 2020. There's just every ballpark in the minor leagues has elaborate camera systems set up to track pitcher movement and to track fielder movement. We're just in an era now where you go to an NBA arena. 
and they have cameras set up at the top of the arena to literally track how many steps a guy took and how many miles he traveled in the two and a half hour basketball game, right? So we're just like we've we've gone past the point of no return on decking out the stadiums with technology. But if only the home team gets access to film a third base coach or to put a camera in the moment on the catcher and see their signs, and the road team doesn't get that advantage, that's where I draw the line. You guys are both kind of making the same point, because the instantaneous of it can only be achieved in your home park. And, dude, Jose Altuve, I went back and looked at his 2017 postseason. He played nine games at home and nine games on the road, okay? Eight extra base hits at home, one on the road. Mm Mm-hmm. 17 hits at home, six on the road. And mm-hmm. it ain't just crowd noise and sleeping in a hotel. But but what did Sage say? Because I think what Sage said is is also applies to baseball as well as football. I don't mind if you steal our signs. It's when you are filming something that you don't have, that you shouldn't have access to, our walkthrough. You know, to me, if the catcher is flashing signs and somebody's stealing that and then I'm getting buzzed, now now, now we've crossed that that line. Basically, I think Sage's point is, if the Patriots film the Bengals' sideline during a game, yeah, it's cheating, but it's almost expected. But if they sneak a camera in somewhere where it's not supposed to right. be, or, or to Phil's point and your, your point, Rami, if there's a camera planted just that the home team has access to, now we've gone to the next step of cheating, which I think you truly considered it yeah. to be offensive to the sport. Is there more meat on this bone here? Yeah, there is. Let's let's pause and get let's get to this. Is fascinating because it's a window inside the game that we wouldn't be getting right if not for this. Let's let's do that. And in other news, when we come back to Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all new Score North and the Score North app, which by the way it's free to download. You can download the Score North app in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. All right, before we come back here to Mackie and Jeb with Rami. And my enthusiasm. And some, some in other news. Let's talk about, for, for my money anyways, the best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities, Luther Brookdale Toyota on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. You know, they're, they're not doing any under-the-radar cheating, buzzer systems, banging trash cans. They're just straightforward with great cars and great service and great people. In fact, the two reasons... I continue to choose Luther Brookdale Toyota year after year, month after month. The people in the cars, it's it's some of the most friendly, knowledgeable people you're going to find in the industry. They explain things very clearly to a non-car guy like myself. And the cars, Toyotas are some of the most durable vehicles in the world. They come with state-of-the-art safety features to keep you and your family and loved ones protected. These winter months can be uh, a little bit treacherous. And you're going to feel a lot more comfortable behind the wheel of a Toyota. 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Jonathan here with a Score North download. And we'll just use this download for the final quarterback cesspool challenge update of the year. Boys, uh... Oh, it, I mean, this was a dramatic final yeah. week. You and Rami were tied on points for uh, the lost leader. So just the to way set this, this day up, is going, I lost. I'm sure. Just to set this up, right? Rami and I, you and Judd were clear of yep. the punishment. Yep. Because Jonathan had locked up the victory. Judd had locked up second, second place. place, and it was basically whoever loses this week's quarterback mm-hmm. cesspool mm-hmm. challenge between me and Rami. Yep. Was going to finish in last place. And between and the both of you, you both chose the quarterbacks in the Vikings 49ers game. This is true. So, Rami, you picked Jimmy Garoppolo. I did. 50 or 45.4. 
That's not great. Was his That's QBR on a one to one hundred scale, so below average. Okay, not terrible. All right. No. But Phil, you chose Kirk Cousins. Forty-two point six. Damn it! Oh, yeah. it's closer Whoa. than I believed it would be. Only slightly more terrible. So that means oh, juicy. Phil, you finish on forty points, Rami. You finish on thirty-nine points for the season. Sorry, Rami. Sorry, man. You okay? Should we, no. Should we recap? What is this day? Should we what is recap? This day? Your sports day. You know what's funny? That's your score north. You know what's funny? Nothing to you right now. <laughs> your performance in the quarterback zestful so, challenge. So I text Trubisky. I texted you guys last night. Retro I hate you, Jonathan. Can we turn off his mic? I know he controls the mic. Can we turn off his mic? Can we? You be have no it? power over that. Only I do. I texted you guys last night. Buddy from out of town was visiting last night. We went and got very expensive steaks on the company card. Not my company card. Don't worry, Phil. And uh, <laughs> you don't have one. Nor I do. I, so and don't worry about it. Nor will you. Ever. Phil wasn't worried about that. Had a few drinks. Dan our boss. Had a few drinks. So I woke up. I woke up this morning, not like obliterated, hungover, but I wasn't feeling my best. I looked at the temperature. One of the first things I do when I wake up, I grab my phone and I look at the forecast for the day, and I saw just hellish cold. For this entire day, I had a hangover, and my girlfriend is half awake, and I just said, no. <laughs> that's the old, That's all I said. There was no discussion. I just looked at my phone, how I felt. I saw the temperature. I just said, no. She goes, what? I go, no. She goes, what do you mean? I go, I don't want to. <laughs> that was it. I just, I just said, I don't want to. She goes, what? I go, the world is terrible, and I don't want to today. <laughs> <laughs> that could be interpreted in so many different ways. That's how I woke up. That's the that's the mood, the attitude that I woke up so with. So basically today. your your day has been the equivalent of a carpenter song. Yes. Yeah. I just don't wanna. I just don't wanna today. Just I don't wanna do today. I don't want this is, today is a bet. So you're hungover. Baseball's broke your heart. It's ridiculously cold out. It's ridiculous to call it up. People are piling on about the Bears quarterbacks, and you're not even asking about Can them all the time. Can it just be tomorrow? Can you, it just be tomorrow? You, you're concerned about the cold today. Are you sure you want tomorrow to happen? Based on what the weather's yeah, supposed to be tomorrow. We're going to get 10 inches of snow. I won't be hungover, I think. But it's still 10, out, 10 inches of snow. <laughs> Hair of the dog. You never know, Ronnie. Hair of the dog. Some suggest that you should go home and drink. After today, you sure you're not going to drink? Yeah, I might have to. Can we finish up these Tim Flannery yes. uh, comments? Let's do that so th- and then some in other news. Longtime Major League Baseball coach Tim Flannery, uh, his counterpoint to all the hoopla over the cheating scandal, can, he continues with, You don't understand. I would not only try and steal your hit-and-run sign, I would put our hit-and-run on that my guys knew, then in the same sequence, put the other team's hit-and-run on, so when they look at their cameras that we all use to steal signs, they would see, and in their minds, they would say bleep, they have the same signs for hit and run we have. It's propaganda warfare. It's trying to beat you. So why you claim people aren't watching baseball because it takes so long? I say you're taking the smarts out of it. I tried every night for 16 years to steal your signs, either writing everything you did down or by looking at tapes because I had a camera on you just like you had on me. 
please leave the game alone. And every writer who wrote articles on this, be in church Sunday, because I know for a fact every one of you looked at body language, vibe, and found a way to snake another writer or get the feature, get the win, leaving it with no creativity, no thinking, and the dumbing down of the greatest game ever. Not that I know anything about it. Peace, Tim Flannery. That's fascinating. And I think it means if if he if he represents a large percentage of coaches and players behind the scenes, and if it's true that a lot of this stuff started coming out behind the scenes in 2017 and Major League Baseball essentially put a squash on it, which is another angle that I've seen today. If everybody involved is mostly okay with it and everyone wants to come up with certain parameters like don't put if now if if we have buzzers taped to guys' chests, that's different. But if like the use of cameras is fair game, then then our reaction on the outside is more just because this is salacious and like it's a little bit like the bullfrog and sunscreen stuff. Yeah, we don't think. Oh about my it. god! Oh, pitchers are using sunscreen and and right. and rosin to get a grip on the ball, and baseball's like, yeah, we've been doing that for a long time. Everybody, it's more. Is it more salacious because we're learning about it, or is it well, actually and they're over actively the top suspending cheating? and firing people? Of course. If, if, ba- if baseball came out, reaction. if baseball came out and said we're upset, and AJ Hinch and and Jeff Lunau, you are suspended for a year, and the Astros are like, yeah, cool, that's that's fine, and they didn't fire them, right? If Cora got in trouble and got suspended, we'd all be like, okay, that's that's bad, but but baseball's then these teams with I think being pushed by the commissioner are doubling down and saying, oh no, you're fired. Carlos Beltran never managed a game and just got fired. For doing something that he did with the Astros and now raise questions about the Yankees. So baseball, I think, in some ways is pushing the fans to be like, oh, this must be a huge deal. When a month out of spring training, you're actively firing people. You're firing people. And I do think the difference, though, again, and I know we're splitting hairs, is I think there's a difference between using technology to sit down at night and go over signs for an upcoming series. Like advanced scouting. That's basically what that is. And, oh, I had a camera hidden, which is what the Astros were doing. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of teams have probably done. So I think there is a difference between what he's saying, which is the probably long-accepted type of cheating and, and or sign-stealing, and actually actively having systems in place to um, to do this in real time. Yeah. I think. Agreed, yeah. six five one six four six eight two five five. In other news coming up here, John, what's going on, man? What's up, fellas? How you doing? Good. How about you? We're uh, we're doing all right. Although Rami's having a no good, very bad, terrible, whatever that book was. I don't want children's to. book. Very bad day. Very bad day. Yeah. Well, you know, sorry, man, but uh, at least you only have one more year, Trubisky. <laughs> Maybe. Thanks, Hopefully. bud. Appreciate yeah. it. Anytime. You're Anytime. a Vikings fan. Don't hope for three more years of Trubisky, oh. or four. Hey, listen, I'm stuck with I'm stuck with uh, you know, Sir Kirk. So we're we're hoping and praying there's no extension in the works. So, you know. Let's just let's focus on Trubisky. No, I just really quick on the baseball stuff. Um what's I got some reckless speculation. Really? So, reckless speculation. The Rays are a leading team in <laughs> analytics. And I think we're gonna get into this. Uh, minutia here really soon of what is the difference between analytics and how computers are implemented on the field and in the games and who spent time with the Rays just before coming to the Twins? 
Sir Rocco Baldelli. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the Twins set the Major League record for home runs. Reckless speculation. I will. I will say there will be no stone unturned if baseball wants to investigate, and the team that broke the major league home run record would would be high on the list of of teams to poke at. Do we I would think, think? Do we think baseball is going to go after this more aggressively now, or do we think that they're going to say three teams got pinched? You've all now been warned. And by the way, a month from spring training, we really don't want this to be a storyline into June. Yeah, I can't figure out what direction Manfred and the guys yeah. are, and and people at MLB are going to go. John, thank you for for the phone call there. I mean, if, if baseball has a lot of PR problems on its hands, pace of play, length of game, young fans gravitating toward basketball and football and soccer, right? I mean, if you want to, if you want to peel open this entire Pandora's box, you really want to do that. But if Boy. if what Mike Brocious, I read his his Instagram post earlier, if what he says is true, baseball knew that this was happening and weren't going to say anything yeah. until the public found out. So what if right. that's true, why should we have any faith that baseball is going to dig any deeper if they're afraid that the, of what the scandal of how the scandal makes their sport yeah. look? Yeah. Let's take one more on this here. Cole and St. Paul. You're on with Mackie, Judd and Rami. Thank you very much, friends. Uh just wanted to say that what about if they, since they did know, every any news is good news, right? Like, they're in the news. You're talking about them all the time. They're talked about everywhere right now. What if they waited, they knew about it during the winter meetings, they waited till now because now we're not talking about the trade deadline coming up for the NBA. Now we're not talking about the draft. Now we're not talking about OJ, OBJ. I mean, that would be straight from the NFL's playbook, right? Yeah, but Cole, thanks for the phone but call. But this is a... I totally understand what he's saying, but isn't this such a smear on the game? It Ordinarily, I would say if this was conjecture about trades or about things that, yes, but this is a real stain. I mean, there's, I don't see how you spin this in, into, yay, we're being talked about. Carlos Beltran just uh, got fired, or Cora just got mm-hmm. fired, or Hinch. I don't think that this is... There, there's. Very few things in professional sports that I think you don't want to be part of. I would guess this qualifies as one of them, wouldn't you guys? Yeah, it, I, like if you're baseball, are you happy about this? It looks bad. You no, look, no. Oh, of course, it look, it looks terrible. Right. I, I'm wondering how, how how they spin it. If if a bunch of people behind the scenes are more okay with this than the public that is, I think they're going to say we came down time. on. They're going to say to what uh, Brocious point. We found the cheaters and we came down on them. And privately, they're going to say, and we're not going to talk about the 12 teams that also did this, and we don't want to address that. Right. I think that's a very good point. Because I've been pointing out, and I wasn't really saying it like they did it with any malice or intentionally, but we heard that teams, specifically the Astros, were using electronic devices to steal signs in 2017. And he responded with a strongly worded memo right. and then didn't do any investigating until the Athletic did his job for him and dug up Mike Fires. Yep. Now it seems like there's some motive behind that if you believe what Mike Brocious is saying. Yeah. That they would rather this just get swept under the rug. So, I, th- th- like Judd said off the top of the show, this is just the tip of the iceberg for this story, and it'll be interesting to see all of the developments. But we transition. Yes, we, we do. We digress. <laughs> In other news. Middle of the week, time to take a break, especially on a day like today. From all that hard-hitting sports talk, we bring you here at Score North and bring you some of the more weird and wacky news from around the world, including... 
from the Galapagos Islands. Oh. A woman, I can't even get this out, a womanizing <laughs> tortoise whose rampant sex life may have single-handedly saved his entire species from extinction has retired from his playboy lifestyle, returning to the wild with his mission accomplished. Diego's unstoppable libido, Diego the turtle, was credited as a major reason for the survival of his fellow giant tortoises on Española, part of the Galapagos Islands, after being shipped over from the San Diego Zoo as part of a breeding program. I was hoping this was going to be a Williams Astadio story at first. When La Tortuga started his campaign of promiscuity, there were just two males and 12 females of his species alive on the island. Remember those numbers. Two males, 12 females. Diego was one of them. But the desirable shell dweller had so much sex, he helped boost a population to over 2,000. Whoa! Yeah, Diego's been doing <laughs> work. Boy. The Galapagos National Park Service believe Whoa. the 100-year-old tortoise, 100 years old, didn't need any help, is the patriarch of around 40% of that population. 100? Huh? He's 100 years old. Oh. Oh, yeah. really? 100-year-old tortoise. Wow. Yeah. And has that stamina? And just retired. From being a professional, I don't know. Turtles look to be a hundred <laughs> years old. That's a good life. That's a in <laughs> other news. Ronnie, you finished early. What was he a professional in? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> if you don't pull that, well, what? Then you're a hypocrite. <laughs> Self-report. <laughs> Self-report. Rami, you finished early. <laughs> <laughs> yep. In other news, oh, you nap. <laughs> oh boy, the, per- the perfect story for Jonathan too. Wow, slip. Where wow. Go. Way to go, Jonathan. Good for this guy. By yeah, the way. for real, man. Give a run for him. A hundred, though. Yeah. Sticking with the animal theme, in other news, from CBSLocal.com, Houston. An unruly squirrel is defying Disney stereotypes by terrorizing one Houston neighborhood, according to KPRC-TV. The headline of the article is, Bloodthirsty Squirrel Leaves Two Hospitalized and Neighbors Hiding Out During the Daytime. (laughs) What? Squirrel? Quote, We usually don't go outside in the daytime because he comes out in the daytime. (laughs) Charlene French told the TV station. Whoa, that's that's a line from a horror movie. Yeah. He comes out in the daytime. <laughs> the feral animal who's anything but friendly has even attacked two people, leaving them bloodied, bruised, and in need of stitches. A, a squirrel? When I stepped outside the door, he leaped on me and bit my arm. I pulled him off, threw him to the ground, and he tried to get in the house. I couldn't get in the house because he came back, and then he bit and then he bit my leg. <laughs> she said uh, she's got the stitches to prove it and the bite marks to prove it. The squirrel also attacked Katie Herrera, who lives uh, nearby as well. Quote, it's scary. It's just ve- I'm just very grateful that it actually attacked me and not my children. Residents have contacted both Animal Control and the local wildlife center. They were told until someone traps the squirrel, they can't move it. Well, yeah, because they got to find it. This sounds like they should put on the APB on the squirrel. On the run. It's not that hard to catch a squirrel. I had squirrels living in my attic when I lived in Milwaukee. And by the way, those things can be 
I, I won't say ferocious because I was never attacked by one, but feisty. Like well, the, if I they're know, trapped, though, right? They weren't trapped. They lived in there. They made a home. They had an exit and an entrance into my attic, and it was like a whole thing to get them out. But they're not hard to catch. But squirrels make noises that I didn't know squirrels made. Oh yeah, like what? yeah, like a I, I, like I a, can't g- recreate it, but it's like a, yeah, no, it's like, like a growling, purring sort of noise. Like no, that's Is more it like, like the Rami Alert system noise. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not quite that harsh, but it is. It's it's it was weird. It was scary. <sighs> All right, fired up. In other news. Dateline Mexico City. Travelers on the Mexico City subway system often blame authorities for broken down escalators at subway stops. But Metro officials have another explanation. Vast amounts of pee. Somehow urine, somehow urine is penetrating and corroding the drive wheels and mechanisms of the escalators that carry riders up from the underground stations. What? In a list. Where is it coming from? In a list published Tuesday, the Metro system listed corrosion due to urine as one of the top five causes of escalator breakdowns. Fermin Ramirez, the system's assistant manager for rails and facilities, said riders appear to be urinating on escalators at off-peak hours and lightly used stations, quote, even though it seems hard to believe. When we, more quote here, when we open up escalators for maintenance, there is always urine, Ramirez said. Most stations have no public bathroom facilities. A fact Twitter users were quick to point out. Okay. Noting that there are not even any paid toilets. Of the system's 467 escalators, 22 are out of service on any Hmm. given day. Hmm. I understand, okay, there isn't a public restroom nearby. Nature calls... We've all been there. You just have to do it somewhere where you probably shouldn't do it, right? But why does it have to be the escalator? Wait, did you just like breeze past a story in which you yeah? How often you do you peed on an escalator? Not, no, that's no, what I'm how, saying. It's like how, I've, okay. How often do you not hold it? Like you're you would strike me as the last person not to hold it. I no, am. You just did like the we've all been there and have <laughs> yeah. like gone to the bathroom. Yeah, we have. Public we've place. all You've been never found an alley. You've never had to go real bad and just found an alley. My my one story about <laughs> being close to that. My one story about being close to that is I was inside downtown like Block E before it was Macy's closed. Right. I thought you can tell the Chicago story. Well, that too. In both instances, I was actively scanning the hallways <laughs> and the alleyways for, like, what can I do? But in both cases, I did make it to a bathroom just in the nick of time. You haven't, apparently. I've, I've, I've had to find an alley before. I thought we've all been there. Doesn't this run completely? So, wait, hold on a second. If I come in the men's room, you have a shy bladder. Nobody's talking to me in the alley, man. Wait, did you did you go number one or number two in the alley? One. Come on. <laughs> Why don't I believe you? Yeah, I. I feel like there's a lot of questions. There's definitely to be asked more to this here. story. No, yeah. I'm telling you, you guys, you guys are acting yeah. like you've never been Mr. in this position before, Mr. Altuve. Can Where we ask you a couple more questions? <laughs> you guys listening to him closely? Is there a slight happening near him? You guys are frauds. All of you are frauds, just like the Houston that's, Astros. That's Cunningham's word, man. Come on, <laughs> it's not yours, Cunningham's. That is in, in other news. Our weekly look at stories from outside of the hard-hitting sports news that we ordinarily uh, dive into on the show. You can find our podcast, Mackie and Judd with Rami, on the Score North app, which is free to download, and we reward you for listening live or on Apple or Spotify. See you guys tomorrow. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. 
The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.